Hey there, fourth grade readers. On Anchor, I'm going to be reading the book The Great Gilly Hopkins by Katherine Patterson. Every day, I'll read a new chapter. Stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear a question. Then you will be able to send me a recording of your voice answering the question. Then tomorrow, I will play your voice on the Anchor episode for everyone to hear. So make sure you stay tuned until the end to see if you get to be on tomorrow's episode. I hope you enjoy The Great Gilly Hopkins by Katherine Patterson. The Great Gilly Hopkins, Chapter 1, Welcome to Thompson Park. Gilly, said Miss Ellis with a shake of her long blonde hair toward the passenger in the back seat. I need to feel that you are willing to make some effort. Galadriel Hopkins shifted her bubblegum to the front of her mouth and began to blow gently. She blew until she could barely see the shape of the social worker's head through the pink bubble. This will be your third home in less than three years. Miss Ellis swept her golden head left to right and then began to turn the wheel in a cautious maneuver to the left. I would be the last person to say that it was all your fault. The Dixons moved to Florida, for example, just one of those unfortunate things, and Mrs. Richmond having to go into the hospital. It seemed to Gilly that there was a long, thoughtful pause before the caseworker went on. For her nerves. Pop! Miss Ellis flinched and glanced into the rearview mirror, but continued to talk in her calm, professional voice, while Gilly picked at the bits of gum stuck in her straggly bangs and on her cheeks and chin. We should have been more alert to her condition before placing any foster child there. I should have been more alert. Cripes, thought Gilly. The woman was getting sincere. What a pain. I'm not trying to blame you, Gilly. It's just that I need... We all need your cooperation if any kind of arrangement is to work out. Another pause. I can't imagine you enjoy all this moving around. The blue eyes in the mirror were checking out Gilly's response. Now this new foster mother is very different from Mrs. Nevins. Gilly calmly pinched a blob of gum off the end of her nose. There was no use trying to get the gum out of her hair. She sat back and tried to chew the bit she had managed to salvage. It stuck to her teeth in a thin layer. She finished another ball of gum from her jeans pocket and scraped the lint off with her thumbnail before elaborately popping it into her mouth. Will you do me a favor, Gilly? Try to get off on the right foot. Gilly had a vision of herself sailing around the living room on the foster home on her right foot like an ice skater. With her uplifted left foot, she was shoving the next foster mother square in the mouth. She smacked her new supply of gum in satisfaction. Do me another favor, will you? Get rid of that bubble gum before we get there. Gilly obligingly took the gum out of her mouth while Miss Ellis's eyes were still in the mirror. Then, when the social worker turned her attention back to the traffic, Gilly carefully spread the gum under the handle of the left-hand door as a sticky surprise for the next person who might try to open it. Two traffic lights farther on, Miss Ellis handed back a towelette. Here, she said, see what you could do about the 
guck on your face before we get there. Gilly swiped the little wet paper across her mouth and dropped it on the floor. Gilly, Miss Ellis sighed and shifted her fancy on the floor gales. Gilly, my name, Gilly said between her teeth, is Galadriel. Miss Ellis appeared not to have heard. Gilly, give Mamie Trotter half a chance, okay? She's a really nice person. That cans it, thought Gilly. At least nobody had accused Mr. or Mrs. Nevins, her most recent foster parents, of being nice. Mrs. Richmond, the one with the bad nerves, had been nice. The Newman family, who couldn't keep a five-year-old who wet her bed, had been nice. Well, I'm 11 now, folks, and in case you haven't noticed, I don't wet my bed anymore, but I am not nice. I am brilliant. I am famous across this entire country. Nobody wants to tangle with the great Galadriel Hopkins. I am too clever and too hard to manage. Gruesome gilly, they call me. She leaned back comfortably. Here I come, Mamie baby, ready or not. They had reached a neighborhood of huge trees and old houses. The social worker slowed and stopped beside a dirty white fence. The house it penned was old and brown with a porch that gave it a sort of pot belly. Standing on the porch before she rang the bell, Miss Ellis took out a comb. Would you try to pull this through your hair? Gilly shook her head. Can't. Oh, come on, Gilly. No, can't comb my hair. I'm going for the Guinness record for uncombed hair. Gilly, for Pete's sake. Hey there, I thought I heard y'all pull up. The door had opened and a huge hippopotamus of a woman was filling the doorway. Welcome to Thompson Park, Gilly honey. Galadriel, muttered Gilly. Not that she expected this bale of blubber to manage her real name. Jeez, they didn't have to put her in with a freak. Half a small face, topped with muddy brown hair and masked with thick metal-rimmed glasses, jutted out from behind Mrs. Totter's, Trotter's mammoth hip. The woman looked down. Well, excuse me, honey. She put her arm around the head as if to draw it forward, but the head resisted movement. You want to meet your new sister, don't you? Gilly, this is William Ernest Teague. The head immediately disappeared behind Mrs. Trotter's bulk. She didn't seem bothered. Come in, come in. I don't mean to leave you standing on the porch like you was trying to sell me something. You belong here now. She backed up. Gilly could feel Miss Ellis's fingers on her backbone, gently prodding her through the doorway and into the house. Inside, it was dark and crammed with junk. Everything seemed to need dusting. William Ernest, honey, you want to show Gilly where her room is? William Ernest clung to the back of Mrs. Trotter's flowered house dress, shaking his head. Oh, well, we can see to that later. She led them down the hallway to a living room. Just sit down and make yourself at home now. She smiled all across her face at Gilly, like the after in a magazine diet ad. A before body with an after smile. The couch was brown and squat, with a pile of cushions covered in graying lace at the far end. A matching brown chair with worn arms slumped at the opposite side of the room. Gray lace curtains hung at the single window between them, and beside the window was a black table supporting an old-time TV set with rabbit ears. 
The Nevinsons had color TV. On the right-hand wall, between the door and the brown chair, stood a black upright piano with a dusty brown bench. Gilly took one of the pillows off the couch and used it to wipe every trace of dust onto the piano, off the piano bench before sitting down on it. From the brown chair, Miss Ellis was staring at her with a very non-professional glare. Mrs. Trotter was lowering herself to the sofa and chuckling. Well, we've been needing somebody to rearrange the dust around here, ain't we, William Ernest, honey? William Ernest climbed up behind the huge woman and lay behind her back like a bolster pillow, poking his head around from time to time to sneak another look at Gilly. She waited until Mrs. Trotter and Miss Ellis were talking, then gave little W.E. the most fearful face in all her repertory of scary looks, sort of a cross between Count Dracula and Godzilla. The little muddy head disappeared faster than a toothpaste cap down a sink drain. She giggled despite herself. Both of the women turned to look at her. She switched easily and immediately to her, who, me, look. Miss Ellis stood up. I need to be getting back to the office, Mrs. Trotter. You'll let me know. She turned to Gilly with prickles in her big blue eyes. You'll let me know if there's any problems. Gilly favored Miss Ellis with her best barracuda smile. Meantime, Mrs. Trotter was laboriously hefting herself to her feet. Don't worry, Miss Ellis. Gillian, William, Ernest, and me is nearly friends already. My Melvin, God rest him, used to say that Trotter never met a stranger. And if he'd said kid, he would have been right. I'd never met a kid I couldn't make friends with. Gilly hadn't learned yet how to vomit at will, but if she had, she would have dearly loved to throw up on that one. So, lacking the truly perfect response, she lifted her legs and spun around to the piano, where she proceeded to bang out heart and soul with her left hand and chopsticks with her right. William Ernest scrambled off the couch after the two women, and Gilly was left alone with the dust, the out-of-tune piano, and the satisfaction that she had indeed started off on the right foot in her new foster home. She could stand anything, she thought. A gross guardian, a freaky kid, an ugly, dirty house, as long as she was in charge. She was well on the way. Readers, here's your question for today. Think about this. What kind of relationship do you think that Gilly and her new foster brother, William Ernest, will have? Why do you think they're going to have that kind of relationship? Scroll to the top of the page and click on the message button with the little speech bubble with the plus sign. Record your voice answering the question and send me your message to be on tomorrow's episode. So, what do you think? What kind of relationship will Gilly and William Ernest have? I can't wait to hear what you think. <laughs>